The network marketing industry has changed dramatically in the last decade. With the advent of social media, digital marketing, the rise of the influencer, and all the tech platforms that promise something extraordinary, how do you separate the helpful from the hype? Welcome to Beyond the Network Marketing Dream, where authenticity and relationships, simplicity and duplication are at the core of everything we focus on. The fundamentals of building still work. Join us as we go Beyond the Network Marketing Dream. Well, hello and welcome to the show. I am with Meredith Burkich, and Meredith is the Chief Growth Officer at Gen Con. And Meredith, we had a chance to chat a little bit before. You've got a fascinating background. I'm excited to have you on the show. It's great to be here, Patrick. I, you as well. It's always wonderful to get to spend the afternoon with you and, of course, the viewers listening in and try to add value. Well, let's give some people some context on your background in the networking space, and then we'll mm-hmm. transition a little bit to Gen Con and what you do there at Gen Con and what Gen Con does. That would be awesome. So tell us about how did you get into the industry? What was your beginning here? My beginning in direct sales, it's such a long life and a great <laughs> life, very rich and incredible. But I always say it started with shoes. I was a buying shoes, buying a pair of shoes, exactly right. Or maybe it was wanting to buy a pair of shoes, Patrick. (laughs) It was. But I decided to stay home, raise a family. You know, we came to that decision. And after about a year or two went by, I really saw a beautiful pair of shoes, and it was really expensive. And we were on a shoestring budget, and I couldn't do it. And I was annoyed that I couldn't do it. And so then I went to a party of a friend of mine, and I heard the gal say, "Hey, you could make an extra few hundred dollars a month in your spare time." I thought. I could buy shoes. So actually, funny (laughs) enough, that's how it started. That is awesome. I love it. (laughs) Yes. But yeah, no, I was uh, 10 years in the field with Princess House. It was a very, very fortunate team. I was able to grow wonderful people. So just so diverse, so rich in Mm -hmm. talents and interests. And yeah, so I did that for over a decade. Actually, I was the youngest division organizer in their 20 plus year history. So it was a great run. And then I had an opportunity to leave the Seattle area and go out to Florida. But unfortunately, the company at the time had a radius rule. And if you moved over 150 miles away and you had an upline that was local, your entire team broke away and dynamically. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a little booger. (laughs) It was indeed. So, right. Yeah. But we had a chance to start a little company that became Garden of Life. So we went to Florida. It was a dear friend of ours and launched that company and it grew into quite a legacy. But that was where I stepped out of direct selling for a little bit because I lost my entire team over 10 years of my life. Mm -hmm. And then so helped with getting Garden of Life off the ground and then went back into direct selling, but this time on the corporate side. And I said, I just want to be on the corporate side and help direct selling companies not make really ridiculous policies and procedures that hurt the people that love their company. And I was on the corporate side for the next 15 years. There are so many nuances in network marketing. It almost seems like a prerequisite to me. No offense to people that don't have backgrounds in the field and vice versa. I mean, it works both ways, but the fact that you're now working with companies and you had that experience, it's got to be refreshing to them and and of enormous value. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So I think that what it does is it stops you from just stepping in crap (laughs) when you don't have to. I mean, it it really does because there are ideas that sound great in the boardroom, ideation sessions, whiteboarding, and everybody's very brilliant that's in the room. But 
if you haven't actually done it, it just doesn't register. It sounds good. It looks good on paper. And then if they're not a company that is particularly collaborative with their field and they think, oh, we got to keep it a secret. And then we're going to surprise them with this amazing Mm -hmm. big idea. And they don't have anyone in there to do a litmus test for them. A lot of very expensive mistakes and not just financially, but time and trust and belief in the field who just gets alienated from that lack of experience on the inside. So let's talk about that experience specifically, but set the stage by today, you're the chief growth officer of Gen Con. And Gen Con, for my lack of better terms, is a back-end genealogy commission engine. Can you explain a little bit of what Gen Con does first? I think that would be helpful for people to understand. And every company has to have that platform. They can't operate without it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you look at it as three to four different platforms, it's probably the most simple way to approach the conversation, which is you have the corporate office, which is necessary for the decision makers at corporate to see data, real-time data, what's actually happening to model commission plans and events that they're putting out there that are incentive-driven and say, what does this look like? If we had done this incentive last year with a set of rules, how many winners would we have had? Who would have won? So there's the whole corporate side where you put together all of the coupon codes and everything for our shopping and sales and communications. And then again, get that real-time view to make educated decisions. Then secondly, you have the business center, which is where your distributors, consultants, uh, contractors, whatever Mm -hmm. they're called, gets to go and say, all right, what does my business look like at this exact moment? Who is on target to achieve this next rank? What's happening in my business? What should I be paying attention to right now? Oh, I have new people that just joined. Just that visibility, because as you know, of course, of all people, we have a part-time volunteer army out there that's benefiting from direct selling. And if they can't have those quick glances when they're waiting for the kiddos at soccer practice, sitting in the car, just scrolling through their phone really quick, it really puts them in an awkward position to maximize their time, however many precious hours there are in a week that they devote to their business. And then last, of course, is the personal website or the replicated site that takes the website experience, the shopping experience. And then allows me to share that with my friends and my family, my circle, if I'm a big influencer, whether I'm a monster, (laughs) you know, with tons of people out there, or I'm a macro or a micro or a nano, whatever the case may be, then I can share my link, people can shop. And then that way it counts for me, all the recruiting counts for me. And then of course, the last piece that's new here this year with GenCon is the live shopping, which takes that to a whole nother immersive experience where people can, whether it's the corporate who wants to talk about a product and I can send everybody on my team or my group in there and they can all, or they can all order, buy the newest product that's out there, hear it from the expert and have it get credited to the right person. Or I could even do my own show where I could talk about the products and have guests on there remotely and they can buy. And that makes me a global threat is what it does. Now, Meredith, how does that happen? The live shopping, are you doing that through Zoom or your own internal platform or yeah? So yes, yeah, so we have a platform, correct? That's it is not Zoom. Yes, we have a platform for that. Gotcha. So somebody's watching a central show and then the buyer, whoever they invited, goes to their individual hub site to purchase. Yes. And so if let's in a real case scenario, if I'm a distributor and you're the corporate and you're there to launch this amazing new formulation, you want to tell the science story, you'll publish a show in my back office. And then what I will do is I will take that link and I will share it with whomever I want. I'll share it on my social. I'll share it through SMS. 
And then by clicking on my link and using my link, they will come in directly so that on that show, when they buy something, do an action, it actually will stay with me. And so my reporting will reflect that. And I'll also have intelligence into who came to the show, even though you're a corporate person that's doing it, it's the link is the magic. So tell me this, we've seen a lot of changes in the industry recently, and I'm interested in your perspective and dealing with companies and doing what you guys do at Gen Con. This affiliate versus MLM, right? And you see some companies, I think, reacting poorly to it. They're leaning towards the affiliate marketer. They're shallowing out the comp plan. They're seeing a lot of churn and a lot of jumping around. Mm-hmm. On the other side of it, you have people holding on to a more traditional in-depth MLM structure. The problem with that is you're not recognizing the power of a seller who might be an influencer. Are you guys addressing that? How are you helping companies cope with these shifts in the marketplace? Mm -hmm. So the way that the platform is designed, it can support multiple types or classes of distributor, multiple types of customers. So if you're a distributor and you're just about influencer marketing, you can have your own compensation plan that just applies to you. And because it's unique to your type, then that's obviously trackable. So that when I log into my back office or I go into my app, then what I see obviously is what pertains to me, products that pertains to me compensation that pertains to me. And so how Gen Con has really mastered this is by saying, look, we understand that you could have five different types of people that run entirely different compensation plans and the system has to- So one might be an affiliate marketer that just wants to retail and they want to be paid on the retail. Mm -hmm. They're not interested in recruiting or building a team. That might be- an example. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's a class. It's a class of a type and of And does person. that person, would, would you suggest that that person live inside of the genealogy of a more traditional MLM builder that might have recruited them? Mm-hmm. Yes. And the reason for that, Patrick, it's a great question because if I'm out there living the brand and I'm talking about the products and I'm sharing my passion, who knows who I'm going to come into contact with in my daily life, but I may only know one or two people that are actually a major influencer, but I may know a lot of people that are more of that micro influencer. And then of course, everybody's an influencer, right? We're all influencers, even if it's just our family, but we influence somebody. And so those levels though, um, I would like to be able to recruit that person and have, and speak to them in a way that would appeal to them knowing that they're not my best friend that's a direct selling monster and she can build a crazy team, but I have to have something for her as well. I have to have something for just somebody who says, I'm just a customer and I'd like to just be able to share with a friend. I don't really want to get into it, but boy, it would be nice if I got a little kickback, I could get on my products. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I just think it's a necessity today. The environment is changing so fast and dramatically. (laughs) Going to an affiliate marketer and making them move through some compensation structure and recruit people that's not designed for them is, so that's awesome to hear. That's fantastic. So Meredith, it's got my mind reeling just a little bit there, but who is your ideal target? Do you guys target mostly brand new companies that are just launching mid-tier large organizations or across the board? Well, I think as far as a target audience for what is the ideal Gen Con customer, I think what makes sense more on the customer side of it, a lot of times we have people that are trailblazers. When I think of of people that have come on and really benefited over the last year, 
people who maybe they just, they didn't have a lot of money in the beginning to start their direct selling company, or they hadn't really thought it through on how much they wanted to spend on technology. Mm-hmm. So they came through with this little bootstrap. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. they said, okay, here I am. And I'd like to, and so they started it is, out- It's fascinating. There's more and more of those today. I think a decade ago, you're talking about distribution and branding and all the things you have to do. There are a lot of really successful leaders that want to try their hand. They've got some money. They don't have a big enterprise corporate budget, but they've got the means to get something off the ground. And you're suggesting they can do it more affordably. Mm-hmm. Well, and what we have, and I will just say this, over half of the people that come to Gen Con already have established businesses and mm-hmm. they could, that couldn't scale on their current software platform. That's just the reality. They came in, they bought something that was simple, that was easy, that was inexpensive. And then the next thing that happened, boom, their business blows up. I think of one last year, they went to a hundred million in their first year. Bam. Well, they were on this little bitty rickety platform and we're like, this isn't keeping up. We can't scale. We can't expand. And so then because Because literally the software was bogging down, it wasn't enterprise software. Exactly. Because they couldn't bring on new products. They couldn't open a new market. If they had to make a transition in their comp plan really quickly because maybe they were bleeding cash on a check match or something was happening and they couldn't move. And so it was like their vision was being hindered by their technology. And so that's the downfall of it. But what what's good for GenCon is we're used to that change management because that really is a big thing. I mean, switching from one platform to another, it's high risk. It instills fear in people of what's going to happen, such a big change. And so when you work with a company like GenCon, that over half of their business has been transitioning people from one software platform to another, you really have decades of experience in getting it right with minimal disruption. Well, Meredith, it has been awesome with you, and I certainly appreciate (laughs) the time, and I think we'll do round two at some point, but thank you so much. It's been great. Thanks for having me. Bye, everyone. Awesome. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Network Marketing Dream with Patrick Shaw. For more insights on building a solid networking business, visit our website at rapidfunnel.com slash MLM. If you loved our content, please share, like, and subscribe. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode.